Welcome to At Home and Abroad with Harrison Walker. Join us each week as we explore the far reaches of the globe in search of unique characters and stories to share. Reach beyond your front door as we uncover new perspectives, intriguing ideas, and lessons learned over time. Let's jump in. Trigger warning, this episode mentions assault, murder, stalking, and bodily harm. On February 2nd, 2008, 24-year-old Lindsay Buziak, a realtor in Saanich, British Columbia, just northwest of Victoria, was murdered. She was fatally stabbed in a bedroom of the second floor after being lured there by a man and a woman posing as potential buyers interested in purchasing the property. Lindsay had received a call from a woman who claimed that she and her husband were looking to quickly purchase a home with a value of a million dollars. It did seem odd to Lindsay that someone looking for a million-dollar home would be contacting her, as she was not a high-profile realtor, and they called her on her cell phone, not at the brokerage. When asked how they got her cell phone number, the woman told Lindsay that she had been referred to them by a past client. Although Lindsay was still unsure and uncomfortable, she agreed to show them the property. The caller had told her that she would be coming alone, and Lindsay's boyfriend reassured her that he would wait outside in his car, just in case. At the time of the showing, the female posing as a buyer did not show up alone. In fact, she was accompanied by a male who was pretending to be her husband. Moreover, Lindsay's boyfriend was running late. Lindsay proceeded with the showing. Ten minutes later, Lindsay's boyfriend, along with a colleague of his, arrived at the property and waited on the street outside. After waiting there, her boyfriend thought it best maybe to park around the corner so that he didn't appear to give the wrong impression to the buyers. After a further 10 minutes, he texted Lindsay, but she never responded. Lindsay Buziak's murder remains unsolved, and despite how horrific her story is, the murder and assault of realtors happens more often than one might think. Real estate is depicted in a variety of ways on TV, in the movies, and in the media. Realtors are vilified and glamorized, but seldom are the real day-to-day stresses and even dangers understood, sometimes even by people working within the industry themselves. Mm -hmm. Join us today as we explore the world of real estate from a different perspective, one uncommonly seen. Our guests, Trish Drynan and Andrea Drynan, authors and leaders in wellness, navigate with us the necessity of pursuing balance and self-care within the industry and beyond in today's supercharged society. Are you ready for this, Harris? I don't know. This episode hits pretty close to home, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. We started off this episode today with a tragic and frightening tale, but it does illustrate the real risk that many real estate professionals, most often female, encounter in the course of doing business. Yeah, these terrible, terrible events can occur at showings or even open houses, right? Mm-hmm, that's right, Walker. We almost always attend these aspects of business together, don't we, Walker? Particularly if they're new clients. Right. And for good reason, too, obviously. In 2019, a Californian realtor was attacked by a man who she had met at a prior open house. Feeling uncomfortable, she did the right thing and asked a colleague to accompany her to the next open house that she had planned for the property. Unfortunately, her colleague had to leave, and as soon as that person left, the same man showed up. Alone, the realtor wisely decided to move the conversation with the man outside to the front steps. 
after she turned down his repeated requests to see the closet, have a drink of water, go to the washroom, he shoved her to the ground and assaulted her. Who knows what could have happened if she hadn't moved that conversation outside. The outcome could have been much, much worse. And more recently in 2020, a Virginia realtor was attacked and suffered several skull fractures from a man she also met at an open house. The individual signed in, chatted with the realtor, and then left after other people showed up. But he returned later with a wrench and repeatedly hit the woman in the head. Fortunately, she was a second degree black belt. So that might be the reason that she survived this horrible event. Well, I think we need some self-defense classes, Harris. Yeah. These are not isolated incidents, though, are they? No, they happen much more often than you would think. The real estate profession is truly one of the last I can think of in which it's most likely you'll be alone with people that you may not know or not know well. Right. And of course, real estate remains a female-dominated industry. Yeah, it does. This reminds me of a news story I read about an Illinois realtor who was tasered at an open house. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she had shown this man the house and then he proceeded to ask to see the basement. After turning around, she felt this really strange feeling on yeah. her back and turned around and realized she was being tasered. Oh my gosh. Um, apparently the taser malfunctioned and for this reason, she managed to get away from the man and call the police. But when the police showed up and apprehended the man, it was discovered that he was an ex-con. Oh, great. Well, at least they caught him. Realtors really need to make safety a priority. But open houses are an integral practice we employ to market our yeah. clients' homes, yeah. right? It's kind of something that's hard to avoid. Well, how many times have we heard it's a beautiful day for an open house? Absolutely. <laughs> and we see all sorts at our open houses, don't we, Walker? Mm-hmm. Like, of course, there's the serious buyers, but there are also neighbors who might just want to see what a nearby home is valued at and how it's presented for sale, which is fine. Or people that just want a snack. Or people who just want a snack. We do see them. Open houses have changed a lot over the decades that we've been working in the industry, haven't they? Mm -hmm. They've really become quite lovely events supporting local businesses, a little food and drink, almost a neighborhood event. Yeah. But it seems that perhaps the opportunity for something untoward happening may also have increased. Yeah. Although women are more at risk, men are also not immune to the risk of such dangers. Mm -hmm. In fact, in 2018, a male Maryland real estate agent working out of a model home was fatally shot. Oh my gosh. You know, it's really crazy if you think about it. Today, we would never just let anybody into our homes. No, we wouldn't. The new smart home security systems demonstrate that. And yet realtors work every day, often without thinking twice about meeting a complete stranger in an isolated location or behind closed doors. It's really quite scary. Well, a relatively recent Inman survey revealed that 9% of real estate professionals reported they had been attacked or threatened while working. But listen to this. The U.S. National Association of Realtors revealed in their 2018 safety report that 33% of members feared for their personal safety or their personal data at one point in the year. Wow. The number increased to 41% for the women who were surveyed and an additional 40% of realtors felt unsafe every few months or more often. Wow. Only 5% said they never feel unsafe while working. Only 5%. Only 5%. That doesn't speak very highly for how how safe realtors are feeling. But we certainly have our own stories, mm. don't we, Walker? I think we're pretty lucky, though, that we haven't had any seriously scary or violent experiences because we're most often together. 
Aside from those times that we got trapped in condo parking garages. Ah, those. Seems to happen more often (laughs) than it should. But many agents work alone, or even if they do work as part of a team, they don't usually show up as a team, right, to meet new clients. They take on a divide and conquer approach, which does make sense, so they can accommodate more appointments. Right. It's hard to be in two places at the same time, though. Though we try. Though we try. It's true. So what can we do, Walker, to protect ourselves if we don't have a safety buddy? Well, I th- I think a lot of it is preparation. Googling the potential client before you meet them is a good practice. Mm-hmm. Cross-reference the phone number, emails, or, or even professions to help corroborate who they claim to be. Yeah. Also, alert a friend or family member and let them know where you will be and with whom, or better yet, have them come with you and wait in the car. Absolutely. We've done that. Yeah. There is a real fascination with real estate though, isn't there? Well, that's why we're in the biz. True. People pepper us with questions all the time. What is that house selling for? How much does someone pay? Why isn't that home selling? There's a real curiosity about the market. Yeah. And our society though is preoccupied with real estate and yet most people don't think about the nature of the job itself. That's right. Or if they do, they might have the perception that it's really easy. Yeah. I think there are very few people out there that are aware of how many hats a realtor actually wears. Oh, for sure. Part teacher, part financial advisor, part architect, part inspector, part interior decorator, part bartender, part hand holder. Oh, yeah. And sometimes part painter, cleaner, floral arranger, organizer, dog walker, Dog poop picker upper. Yes. That's a fun one. Yes. Food delivery, gardener, and maker of beds. Oh, and shoulder to cry on. The role is actually more of a social service or a social support, not really a sales position, at least the way we look at it, right? Right. Realtors are doing all sorts of things behind the scenes, all in an effort to show a property in its best light. Mm -hmm. Now, we know our clients are busy and we want it to be as stress-free and seamless as possible. Absolutely. And you really only have one opportunity to make a first impression. So we don't want anything to be overlooked and all the commotion leading up to listing a home in the market. So we really have to be ready to take anything on. Ah, the truly glamorous side of real estate. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's certainly not just baking cookies for the open house and cashing your commission check like so many people think. Well, shows like Selling New York and Million Dollar Listing really make it look easy and look like there's big money happening. Absolutely. And I love both of those shows. They're great entertainment for people who love luxury real estate and a little side drama too. Right. I do love them as well. The Netflix series, however, The Watcher presents realtors in a less than attractive light, reinforcing Mm. the untrustworthy stereotype that many associate with realtors. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because there's so many excellent, hardworking, honest, and ethical realtors in our industry whose first priority is their clients. Right. But of course, every profession has their shady toads. It's just too bad that those are the people that are always highlighted, it seems, in the media. Yeah, it is a shame. A few bad apples impact the reputation of the profession as a whole, though I really feel for all those who are negatively impacted by these disreputable people. Me too. Sometimes I wonder how these realtors got hired in the first place. I know. It boggles the mind. Maybe they were friends or family members. It's hard to know. But some people are just really smooth talkers, right? I also think that there's a perception too, that someone always has to lose in a real estate negotiation, right? We've run into that out there, but it's just not true in our experience. We look for that win-win for our client and for the people on the other side of the deal. 
it's really just kind of this macho portrayal of negotiation in general that you see on TV and in the movies. So true, but sometimes the egos of those involved can sometimes complicate the process. Oh, yeah. And we see that time and again. So after many years of experience, what do you feel is the best part of the job and what is the worst part of the job? Oh, I know for sure I love a happy client, even if the circumstances of their move might not be the happiest. Mm -hmm. It always feels good when your client recognizes the hard work that you put into protecting them throughout the process from beginning to end. Yeah, okay. And the worst? Oh, I know what that is. (laughs) Probably the last minute nature of the business. Mm. Often a client urgently wants to see a house on your child's birthday or your anniversary or when you're on your way to town. It's just the nature of the beast. It's more law. Yeah. And, and Harris, this is always the time when my technology fails. I know. <laughs> I am not the most technically inclined person and the business is very time sensitive. So that inevitably causes a lot of stress for me personally. Yep. What about you? Well, I actually really love this job for so many reasons, particularly the people we meet and our amazing clients. But the thing I also like the least is is also the people we meet, right? (laughs) Some are really aggressive. Some are like professional gaslighters. And it could be anybody on the deal. It could be the lawyer. It could be an inspector. It could be a buyer. It could be a seller. It could be another agent. It's a really stressful job. And if you're an empath, like I think we both are, you take on all of the stress of our own role, but also that your client is feeling too. A 2014 study published in Social Psychiatry and Psychiatric Epidemiology stated that the industry has the second highest rate of clinically diagnosed depression. Does that surprise you, Walker? It doesn't. It doesn't. I would think anxiety for sure, but depression, I was a bit surprised. But you wouldn't know it. We always have to put on a cheerful face, Mm -hmm. right, as a realtor. But maybe that's why. This study looked at 55 industries. It discovered that those industries which involve frequent or difficult interactions with the public or clients, along with high levels of stress and low physical activity, had the highest rates of clinical depression. So that ticks a lot of boxes. Real estate ranked number two, only topped by those working in local and interurban passenger transit. Yikes. I know. And in an article written for the National Association of Realtors, Dr. Kevin Gilliland stated that realtors help people make one of the biggest decisions in life. And while there's excitement, there's also anxiety and fear. And he further says, when you let work cannibalize your life, you'll significantly increase your depressive episode risk and dealing with clients' emotions can be contagious Mm. and make you more vulnerable to depression, right? Texas-based licensed clinical social worker Michelle Quinton supported Dr. Gilliland by saying, the biggest things my clients, who are in real estate, mention are the pressure to be on and show everything is under control. Exuding upbeat, positive energy when it's not how you feel can be a difficult mask to wear. And when things don't work out or you spend a lot of effort on a sale and it fails for reasons you can't control, those might cause symptoms of depression. Hmm. And we all know that that's a reality in, in this world. And of course, there's the insecurity of a commission paid job. No deal, no pay, no matter how many days, months or years you might've been working for that client. So it's tough. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why I'm so excited to introduce sisters and wellness experts, Trish Drynan, an exceptional realtor with over three decades of experience and her sister, Andrea Drynan, a seasoned educational professional working with at-risk youth. These two have co-founded Tools for All Teens and now 
Tools for All, a self-empowerment program for teens, tweens, and now adults. Welcome to At Home and Abroad, Trish and Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. We're very excited to be here. You've co-founded and created Tools for All Teens, a program that provides lifelong self-empowerment tools via customized workshops and individual counseling. Based on your experience, how has this program informed your understanding of wellness in the real need for stress management among youth and now realtors too? One of our quotes that we use for almost every workshop is by Charles Swindle, which is life is 10% what happens and 90% how you react to it. And um, before tools even evolved, Trish and I, you know, we were both working full time and we had our young kids. Our mother had Alzheimer's. So we were balancing all of that also. Um, We had to move her five times in two years. It was just a very stressful time for everybody. Sandwich generation. Absolutely. Yeah. And so with balancing it all, we started running these workshops called True Balance Workshops. And we reached out to our community. And this was about 15 years ago. 20, actually. I think it was more like 20. 20. Yeah, Yeah, it was probably 20. Again, we were both working full time. I I was a teacher for 27 years, and I spent 21 of them working with at-risk youth. And Trish and I just realized, wow, there's a real need out there for some wellness and some stress management. And so it really morphed from starting with our True Balance workshops And then it became working with the school system. And then it's just been expanding into realtors, into corporations, into schools, universities, staff, different communities. Um, And we just saw that there was a real need, not just within the youth, but with everyone. So it originally started as, a, as tools for all teens, but it's since it's grown and expanded to tools for all. And and my and we might want to add too that both Andrew and I have been certified yoga instructors for over 25 years. So we also taught yoga, practice yoga, mindfulness. We taught mindfulness, we taught teachers how to teach mindfulness. And uh, so we realize stress is stress. Mm-hmm. It's collective. Mm-hmm. It's global. And the tools to manage stress, they're for all people. And it's it's different for everyone. Not everyone wants to do yoga. We're not all about do yoga, do mindfulness. We're, we actually have a multitude of different strategies and different practices that we use, that we practice, and that we've also been trained in over the last 20 years. The tools that we provide, as Trish mentioned, they're accessible and adapted depending upon who our audience is and who we're working with. So they're very adaptable on every level. Well, speaking of tools, you've written this guide, Tools for All Wellness for Real Estate Professionals and Beyond. In a business like real estate, (laughs) that really requires you to be on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How can real estate professionals find balance in their lives? That's the magic question. 
Well, and it's <laughs> such a good question because I've been really, really pondering this for so many years, having been running this business as well as running a full-time real estate business right. and being quiet about my wellness. Pre the pandemic, all the people that knew me well or that know me well, they knew what I was doing, that we were doing this thing in school. So people were thinking I was like volunteer. I didn't really go into it deeply. But then when the pandemic hit, we started running these workshops and it was called Mindfulness in Precarious Times online. So I started reaching out to our community in real estate and, uh, and people started jumping on and I started realizing and then this is when I started writing some blog about wellness and stress and real estate. And as realtors, we are not immune to stress and the challenges that face us, like both in, in our business and our personal lives. Mm-hmm. But we walk around like, well, it doesn't matter. The most important thing is that we look busy, we're stressed, and there's a real problem when we're feeling this need of running at such high stress levels, right? In this fight, flight, or freeze, angst. There's a lot of anxiety in our business. And so I've just realized like, oh my goodness, this is how I've survived with these wellness tools. I'm just going to start sharing it because there is no excuse. Our job our profession, we're very, very flexible. We we have this amazing flexibility. So we can choose because going down this 24-7 road where we have to look busy and be busy and be on call is only going to burn us out. And it's not going to serve the people that we're working with. So I started realizing, like, how am I making this work? Not only just running a real estate business and raising a family, how are we doing this? And we were like, because we've got these tools, we make sure that we're, whether it be yoga, running, being in nature, very, very quick breathing exercises, preparing for difficult people. Like So there's many, many strategies that we can use. More than ever before, wellness matters in our business. It, it's always been a profession that doesn't talk much about it. The conversation is beginning, like in many businesses. But right now, as we're moving out of the pandemic, Stress and anxiety have skyrocketed. One in three individuals are experiencing anxiety and depression more than ever before in Canada um, and around the world, ultimately. So, so there are just so many tools like your professional care. So like giving business to people that if you're too busy, right. reach out to another colleague and have them help you. I do this all the time. Finding time for the personal self-care reaching out to colleagues to, you know, communicate about problems or situations or offers you're about to get into. Eating well, taking five minutes to eat your food, not your worries. Technology is a huge thing that Andrea and I are really, I mean, we've been running um, technology workshops for years and years on managing technology. Now, more than ever, real estate agents are pressured to be on social media, to be on all the platforms. Mm -hmm. And that will just, if you're not taking care, it's like eating chocolate or drinking alcohol all day long. It's the same kind of addiction. It's unhealthy. If it doesn't make you feel good, you don't do it. Not being so hard on ourselves as realtors, as humans, number one, but then come down to the realtor level. We are very, very hard on ourselves. And if we miss a a deal, miss an opportunity, we could just let it, you know, linger for days. Well, 
I just didn't have time for that. So I just learned to try to be as present and start bringing more mindfulness to be just more aware of what's going on, listening to colleagues, listening to my clients. But the most important thing is starting with me, because if I'm not well, if I am stressed out, then I'm not serving anybody well. It's kind of like, you know, putting the mask on yourself first before you put it on your dependent. So look after yourself first, and that's going to benefit your your client. And it's funny, we always use that um, scenario for many years was like, you know, put your mask on first before someone else, your kid could be like suffering, but you know what, you can't do anything if you're not breathing with your child. So the same with our work, and we need to come out of this thought that you've got to be on 24 seven. So it's boundary setting, you don't have to miss your kids, field trips and activities, doctor's appointments, dentist appointment, put it in your schedule. We have that freedom. We're working evenings and weekends as well. Yeah. So the really the purpose is is looking at yourself. How do I feel? Am I calm? Whether there's challenges around, like we would love to take away everybody's stress, but we can't. But we want to give people the tools so they can empower themselves to manage their own challenges and their own stress and be there for their loved ones, for their clients, their colleagues, friends, family. Yeah, it was. I was just thinking to myself, you know, some of those breathing techniques would really come in handy when you've got two minutes left in an irrevocable and your computer crashes. (laughs) (laughs) Those breathing techniques would be real handy. Yes, exactly. Or how about like the same thing when you're with somebody that's freaking out on something and really upset? Well, if you're not in a good state, you might say something that you never wish that you would ever say. You may react in a way because, again, if we haven't slept well, if we're not calm, cool, and collective, and that's not making us perfect because we can be stressed out. There's no question, but it's about being aware of the stress that you may be feeling, the challenges that you are facing in this moment. And once you are able to see that, calm yourself down. So it could be a five-minute walk around the block. It could be that square breath, nice breathing technique. You will get through it. You get through everything. And that's the other thing about real estate too, is we forget sometimes that it's not forever. Like each client, each deal is different. You know, we go back to that quote of 10% is what happens and 90% is how you react to it. And that's just, it's just such a, a paramount piece in what we offer because we'll share with you some of the practices and depending upon what situation it is, which ones you extrapolate and put into practice. And again, it's an individual need and what feels comfortable in whatever process is going on. This is one thing too, that I've written in some of our, my blogs for realtors is I see friends of mine in the business that take way better care of their clients than they do themselves or their own family. What is that all about? That doesn't help anybody. If you're missing out on your family, I understand if there's the odd weekend, you can't go up to your cottage or you can't, but ultimately set your priorities and know what they are and be clear on them. And it's taking that pause to recognize. Right that you're in that fight or flight mode. 
Right. Yeah. Having that, that perspective and awareness, as you said. You've mentioned that wellness and mindfulness are not topics that are discussed within the real estate industry to date. Why do you think this is? And, you know, what can we do about it as a profession? A shift is happening. It's happening globally. Most businesses that we're working with right now, they're like dying to get us in and have us do, you know, do these some chair yoga and breathing exercises and tapping in. And finally, for the first time, we were, a- we were able to run a workshop at our company and it went really well. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, we've got to do this regularly because it felt good. Our workshops are all about just feeling good in the moment. So people understand this isn't about walking around, being in a mindful state of mind 24-7 and aware of everything that's going on. It's about having these moments in your day that where you're really feeling good in that moment. So you are ready to take on the rest of the day. So we're spreading the word. I'm certainly trying to work more with the governing bodies of our industry. And then of course, within our corporation. So we want to just continue to promote not only school-wide wellness, but corporate-wide wellness. Some of the owners of real estate companies that I know will say, well, our, our company, we're pretty good. Like we've got a lot of, you know, we do a lot of social stuff and and that that is amazing. And I really believe, and I think Andrew and I are strongly believe in this too, that relationships are really the groundwork. So when your relationships are breaking down, it could be very, very tough if you don't have strong relationships with the people that you're working with. The only reason we get into these fight or flight is we're stepping out of the present moment of where we're at. When you're actually present, things are pretty good in that mm-hmm. moment. They're not they're not the crisis that no. we necessarily might feel in our own bodies. Exactly. And I think, you know, you've you've mentioned a number of different practices that you could employ in different moments. And we've also talked about how acute sometimes stress can be yeah. in life in general, no matter what your profession, but certainly in real estate. What are those go-to tools that maybe you use, Trish, when you're practicing real estate, if you have to deal with a difficult person, what are the things that you gravitate towards? Most importantly, when I'm in the middle of doing an offer, I make sure I get outside. I'll walk around the block. I go much more into my body because the body is a lot less complicated than the mind. Just connecting your feet to the ground is very Mm -hmm. simple. It's feeling a connection, coming back into your breath. So just maybe just taking five conscious breaths mm-hmm. a great tool that I use another thing is even even before this podcast timers are amazing I set the timer for five minutes and I just lay down or I was just sitting down actually and just breathing expanding noticing like placing my hands gently on my belly inhaling noticing my belly lungs expanding and just doing that for two minutes mm-hmm. and then I feel like oh okay just calms the nervous system down Mm-hmm. You know, it is very nice that we're now doing a lot of our deals at home as much as I loved meeting everybody. And I think a lot of people kind of miss that. But at the same time, it's really nice because you can actually consciously like do some breath work. Another thing, you know, again, being in nature is just. Yeah. That's my go to, I think. Me yeah. too. 
Yep. Just some natural light, hear the sounds of, of the birds. It's very grounding. So peaceful. But there's a, a grounding practice and it's using our senses. We call it the five, four, three, two, one. So five things that you see. So this is a great one for kids. This is a great one personally when you're waiting in line, when you're feeling stressed, sometimes when you're stuck in traffic. So five things you see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing you can taste. So it's a beautiful grounding practice. It takes you out of your head. Like the goal yes. is always to get out of your thinking mind. Yeah. Because it can squirrel away into all kinds of different pathways and future tripping and really increase that anxiety. So these are all practices that realtors can use, but they can be used right across. And right. there's 16 seconds to calm, which is the box breath. So, okay. you know, breathing in for, holding for, exhaling for, holding for. And just as Trish said, it it takes you out of that thinking, ruminating mindset. Mm -hmm. We have many. How many thousands of thoughts do we have? 23,000. 23 to 40,000 thoughts a day. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. And breathing, just actually taking conscious breaths, it automatically lowers your cortisol levels. So they've done studies on that and the effect that it has on your nervous system. It's such a simple thing to do. Oh, yeah. No, we've been working with a student that's been experiencing quite a bit of anxiety. And so she sort of tweaked the grounding exercise. And the goal with it is that it's a sensory experience. But Mm -hmm. for her, she wanted to highlight the gratitude piece. So she needed to step back and focus on what she's grateful for. So she said, oh, I'm going to do five people who love me. I'm going to do four things that I enjoy doing. I'm going to do three of my favorite animals. I'm going to do two of my favorite parts of nature and my favorite meal. Oh, I love that. Lovely. And anybody could do that would work for realtors too. I could work for absolutely anybody. Right? Yeah. That's beautiful. So that's a beautiful. A, a real estate tweak. agent could say, you know, five five great homes that I saw for my clients. Just come out of that thinking mind. Yeah. 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 And just bring yourself down into a positive space. So I know that you two have a new book that you are going to be releasing a little later this year. What can you tell us about this exciting new project? Trish and I, as you know, for the last 20 20 years, we've put together so many practices and we've run so many workshops and we just love what we're doing. And we looked around at different journals and there's some really great ones out there. But what we noticed is that they were just pages and once completed, that's that's it. And we thought, why don't we create something that's not only a journal, but a resource where we've embedded all the practices so that even if the blank pages are filled, the book is always there. Oh, I want to do the grounding practice today. 
I don't really feel like writing, but I'd love to see what it is. You know, I'd love to practice it. So they turn to that page. Oh, I feel like doing the RAIN practice, recognize, allowing whatever is coming up, investigating and nurturing. I'm going to practice that, but I can't quite remember it. Oh, I'm going to go to the journal. Mm -hmm. So it's weaving wellness into everyday living, but it's a resource, not just a journal. That sounds fabulous and so accessible. You know, that's something you could have in your car. That's something you can have on your bedside table. That's something you can have right at your fingertips whenever you might need it. And it's for everyone. It's Mm -hmm. not just for youth and -hmm. it's not just for over 30s. Yeah, we think it's going to support and nurture and hopefully inspire balance. And it, it distills all that wisdom and learning that you both have gained in this last 15, 20, 25 years working with people of all ages in all communities into the pages of this wonderful new publication. Yeah. I'm really excited. I want one right now. I would like to have an advanced copy. We'll ladies. make sure you have one. Good. I am glad to hear it. And you did mention, I think it was Trish who mentioned that there really has been a very stark increase in anxiety, in depression, in the wake of the global pandemic, um, and obviously prior as well. So your contribution in this particular book that you're putting out, as well as all of the guides that you've already put out to date and all of the workshops that you've performed, you've contributed to wellness and that contribution is more important than ever. So what more do you think we can look forward to from from tools for all. Certainly number one, the journal project coming. Right. And then probably another book. I think the book, honestly, I think the book is going to be a great launch for us. We've just so everyone knows too that we have ebooks. So we've got a really nice ebook, Wellness for Real Estate Professionals and Beyond. And then we have another ebook called 10 top tools for managing stress. So they are all available on our website as well. So we're going to keep writing little eBooks <laughs> because That's they're great. they're accessible. So and we believe enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, balance is in the moment and is in each and every moment. And many moments we may not feel it, but it's okay. You might feel it the next moment. That's the other thing with our business is we always feel we have to be up and high and happy. And even as a yeah. teacher, Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Guess what? The reality is we're not always happy. We have things no. happen to us. Yeah. We have people that might not be nice to us. You know, there are many situations. So our thing is again to promote this, this many wellness tools through workshops, but also retreats. Like we've got lots of desires oh. to do some retreats, you know, taking like, you know, having 20 realtors go off and do it, have a nice retreat for a day. That would be fantastic. But well, we can plan it. We should do I it. I love that idea. You know, as a, a practicing realtor myself and, and Lauren is too, this is going to be a very valuable resource for us both. And certainly we're going to communicate that within our own networks uh, just because it is definitely one profession that it's very competitive. Sometimes we need people like you both to show us the way. Yeah. Well, thank you. Like we, we feel that 
yeah, with the competitiveness, but that's all we get wrapped up in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we can step back and just check in. How are we doing? How are we helping our colleagues, our clients? How are we, how can we be better people? How can we be yes. better realtors, better professionals at what we do? And mostly that is through kindness, compassion, calm, a calm yeah. outlook. And if we are calm and centered in ourselves, it only benefits everyone around us. Exactly. Yeah. If you would like to learn more about tools for all, tools for all teens, or you are a realtor looking for better life balance, you can go to www.toolsforall.ca or www.toolsforallteens.com and download the free guide, Tools for All Wellness for Real Estate Professionals and Beyond, or pre-order their new book soon, The Journal Project, Weaving Wellness into Everyday Living. Thanks, ladies. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. That was such valuable advice for everyone, not just those in real estate. Those two are truly gems, aren't they? They are. I personally think one of the best ways to handle stress, though, Harris, is humor. Yeah. Although I know sometimes it is easier said than done. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I actually think I know what you're going to say next. Ha! <laughs> I know we both follow the Facebook page, The Lighter Side of Real Estate. Yeah, we do. And I love it. It's hilarious. I actually think I love more just reading the comments from other realtors. Right. Here's one, Harris. You know your real estate agent when you can remember the inside of every house you've ever shown and which client you showed the house to, but you can't remember which day of the week it is. I cannot say that I can remember every house I've shown. They all blend into each other after a while. But I struggle to remember what day of the week it is regularly. Weekends aren't really a thing, yeah. right? We they work blend into one another too, the days. They do. We work every day of the week. But I love the lighter side. It can totally make my day. And really, it's good to know we're not alone. Oh, absolutely. When you see that someone has built a house and there's a tree located right in the middle of the entrance to their garage, thus making the garage inaccessible by a car, you realize nothing can surprise you anymore. <laughs> a real selling feature. I know, right? I remember, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but I remember when I was a grad student, I was invited to someone's house for drinks. When they opened the door to invite me in, I saw that I needed to walk through a bathroom to get to the rest of the apartment. Their front door entered yes. into a bathroom? It was an apartment in a house. Okay. And then when you opened to their suite, you had to walk past the toilet and the sink and oh the my shower. God, where do you put your get, welcome mat? Right get, in front of the toilet? <laughs> I think it's your bath mat. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. I know, I know. I know, I'm serious though. I remember how shocked I was. Not much these days can really take me aback though. It, this business certainly keeps you on, on your toes. It does. You think you have your day planned with, you know, appointments, broker open houses, salesmen, whatever you have. And then the next minute, you're madly rushing to get a client in to see a home that's taking offers in two hours and they must have it. Of course, we'll do whatever we can to help our clients out. It's so hard though when they fall in love and the seller is just not feeling it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it can be a real roller coaster for buyers out there. Communication is key in this industry. We are pretty good at that angle though, I think. I think so. 
When communication is vague or untimely, this can quickly lead to problems. Mm -hmm. Negotiations and contracts are deadline-driven. It can be super stressful when you can't reach someone and the clock is ticking. Yeah, not a good feeling because it's not within your control. Uh, The deals when there were crickets on the other end have been some of our most stressful. It's really not easy, is it, sometimes? It isn't. And as we previously said, real estate certainly doesn't play out like it does on the television screen. No, you got that right. It can be pretty amusing to see how negotiations are portrayed on these shows, though. Oh, I know. A lot Uh, of liberties are taken, right? That wouldn't fly here in Toronto and certainly not at our brokerage. And the deals are closing right, left, and center. Money, money, money. Money, money, money. Oh, I like the sounds (laughs) of that. That can happen. Sometimes the market is like that, frothy and furious. But this is the very reason why these shows are so fun to watch. Even though I live and breathe real estate, I still watch Selling Sunset. I guarantee, though, that no one would want to watch the day in the life of Heather Harris, the realtor, though. It's not all cocktail parties at open houses and stilettos. Much less drama, though. I know I wouldn't watch it. Oh, thanks a lot. You don't even need to watch it though, Walker. You live it. Ah, I do. (laughs) The properties on these shows are always so beautiful too. And let's not forget the real estate shows that take place on islands and other exotic destinations. You know that my family and I were on one of those shows, didn't you, Walker? I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. I love those shows. Pure escapism. So what was the deal with your show? Well, we didn't actually go anywhere, which was super lame, but we virtually toured properties of equivalent value overseas. So we saw a beach condo in Ecuador, a cliffside place in Hawaii that my children would have run off the cliff in a heartbeat if we had actually been there, and a vineyard in France. And? We chose France, of course. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned wine about 800 times (laughs) in that episode. But maybe they should produce a show where the hosts take buyers with really tiny budgets to tour properties in a heated market. Well, that sounds interesting. Doesn't that sound really good? (laughs) Maybe a little sad, but I know. I think it'd be hard to watch. (laughs) Or maybe they should produce a show that follows the life of a realtor who preps a house for sale that's in really rough shape, like one where hoarders live. Ooh, that's not easy as we know, Mm -hmm. but many people love to hate on realtors, so it might be a big hit. Maybe. Plus, people love before and afters. I love before and afters too. I think we're on to something here, Walker. Well, there's certainly some scary properties out there, Harris. Yeah, and we've definitely seen a few. But how would you feel about representing a haunted house? Uh, <laughs> it would have to depend on how aggressive the haunting was. <laughs> okay, okay. so there's a scale <laughs> yeah, of paranormal is. activity that yeah, you would yeah, accept yeah. or not accept. Okay, good to know. There are actually a few out there right now. One decidedly spooky house is in Wales. The Durwood Mansion is for sale right now for 2.6 million pounds. It really does look the part on the outside. It's this big, looming, gray stone mansion, but it's quite lovely and grand in the interior. It was built in approximately 1485. So there's been lots of time for collection of ghosts over the years. It has 14 bedrooms, seven reception rooms, and over 12,000 square feet of living space. And of course, it has a resident ghost. Her name is Gwen Vaughn, and apparently she only appears to unmarried men. Ah, yeah. There we go. Not really sure. Very selective. Very selective. Not really sure why or <laughs> what occurs when she appears, but usually she's seen in one of the upper windows. Okay. But a better known haunted property is the Dakota in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. 
So that's where John Lennon and Yoko Ono lived, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where John was killed. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, John is just one of the ghosts sighted in the building. But there are also reports of a little girl and a crying lady, too. (sighs) The Dakota has a long and dark history, apparently. And some even believe it's cursed. But that doesn't deter buyers. It's a prime location, as we know, Mm -hmm. and a gorgeous building. Wow, I haven't heard that. I know. But one of the scariest stories I've heard in our recent times is about one of our very own colleagues here in Toronto who discovered the bodies of her own clients in their home. It was initially thought it was a murder-suicide, but then it swiftly became a homicide investigation. Yeah, this is the Barry and Honey Sherman case, isn't it? Yeah, and it it remains unsolved, but it is a super high-profile case. There are many theories about who killed billionaires Barry and Honey Sherman, including perhaps maybe it was a double hit by organized crime or a disgruntled business associate or even a resentful family member. It's just horrible for the family, and God only knows what that poor realtor felt when she came into the home that day. She's probably still traumatized. Well, it's just a tragic tale. If anyone has any information regarding the Sherman case and the murder of Lindsay Buziak, please call your local authorities. Any tip is a good tip. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time for something a little lighter, Walker. Okay. Shall we tell some stories from the trenches? (laughs) There are plenty of those, Harris. There are. (laughs) So what would you say are the top strange experiences we've had? Oh my gosh. There are so many, but I do remember one of the grossest. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I've got an idea. Do you remember the time we were looking at a condo with our clients and the place was filthy, like it had beer bottles and we were climbing over pizza boxes. I do remember. But the worst was when we entered the bedroom and the owners were sprawled out, Mm -hmm. passed out on the bed, like they didn't even move. And all I can remember were those gnarly feet sticking out from the sheet. I still have nightmares about it to this day. That was a weird one. But even weirder and more uncomfortable was the time that we came across the owner fully awake in bed. Oh, that was so awkward. He was shouting, come on in. Yeah. Uh, no thanks. Just cancel the showing, dude. <laughs> Needless to say, our client chose not to enter the bedroom mm-hmm. and we left. Mm-hmm. And how many times have we been to properties where there were fierce unseen dogs Yeah, and couldn't enter those homes? Obviously not. We don't know if those dogs are two pounds or yeah. 85 pounds or and ready are. to rip our heads off. Yeah. yeah, whether they're in a crate or not. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I have one for you, Walker. Do you remember that? Oh, you're going to love this when you remember it. That listing presentation oh. we went to yeah. just north of the city. <laughs> yeah, and the potential seller opened the door for us wearing a silk negligee. Yeah, that was a bit about strange. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or that final walkthrough our buyers did just before the property closed when there was an overpowering smell of marijuana through the whole house. Oh, right. Yeah, apparently the seller's son had been hotboxing in the shower right Nice, before. good timing. For those <laughs> listeners who do not know what a hotbox <laughs> is, the Urban Dictionary defines it as an airtight room or vehicle that contains one or more pot smokers smoking one or more joints. And I think in this case, it was definitely more than one joint. Well, these stories are really tame compared to some that realtors have, though. Right, right. Anything could happen, and it does. Once when I was selling my own house years ago, I I remember getting it all prepped and making it look nice for the showing. And I had a bowl of pears on display. When I came back in the evening, most of the pears were gone. I was pretty sure that it was obvious 
that these were for display. They were not little takeaways. No, you didn't have them wrapped up with the little ribbon and the house address stenciled on the side. So were they real or fake pairs? They were real. I guess hungry buyers. Yeah, or realtors. Sometimes we we don't get any food, you know, (laughs) on the go. They just evaporated. Well, people can have unusual interest and, well, when you're given the opportunity to enter their private spaces, sometimes you see more than you want. Yeah, like the time we took clients through a house and there was a stripper pole on the second floor. Oh, exactly. That was pretty interesting. Thank goodness our clients had a pretty good sense of humor about it. Or what about happening upon a sex dungeon? A realtor recounted for Boston Magazine an experience in which they were touring a home with an older colleague and they said the house was pristine, it was beautiful, and then you'd go downstairs. Uh Uh-oh. There were swings and the walls were padded. The seller didn't seem to think it was a problem. It was really hard to convince them to take it down, but they did. Which is probably a good thing because the sex dungeon is really for a niche buyer, right? And it may not show up so well in the the marketing photography. Well... Quarter-owned homes are also pretty challenging. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, Sometimes when we show up for a listing presentation, we're not so sure what we're going to find when we walk through that door, right? I wouldn't say any of our listings have qualified, though, as a true hoarder's house, would you? No, not quite, but close. Yeah, close. So what if we walked in on this? One real estate agent said that a home they visited had thousands of stuffed teddy bears glued to the walls and ceilings and every inch of the floor as well. There was a teeny tiny path you couldn't even fit two feet side by side on. You had to put one foot in front of the other. There were even teddy bears glued onto the fireplace mantle. What is going on here? You know, at that point, I would have two thoughts going through my mind. One, this is going to be a hell of a lot of work to get prepped. Yeah. <laughs> Where do I even begin? Yeah. And the second, this is really disturbing. What right? is Why is this happening? What is happening here? Teddy bears glued all over, like every inch of the floor, ceiling. Wow. I know. And the walls. I don't know. I can't figure that one out. Some houses are pretty unsettling. In one house, for example, a realtor found a door in the basement in this house that they were in, and it said on the door, hi, my name is Jim, and I will die in 2012. That's super creepy. What? Did they open it? No, apparently their client didn't want to open it, which I think is the sensible thing to do. Oh, I'm with them. Don't don't open Pandora's box. Exactly. That's wise. Jim might be in there. <laughs> he might be in you there. You never know. Right? Realtors have also found handcuffs on bedposts, shotguns under chairs, elephants buried in the backyard, because of course, elephants buried in the backyard, and snakes, alligators, and tanks of spiders. Seriously? How would you bury an elephant in your backyard? I don't know. That's madness. I guess anything is possible in this business, Walker. According to one realtor, she even had to make a pitch to the buyer's cat. Oh my (laughs) God, that is hilarious. I'm not sure I could do that with a straight face. (laughs) Well, I certainly couldn't, but the realtor even bought the cat a closing gift. Of course she did. Oh my gosh. I could just picture it like a little catnip, scrunchy ball or something. Well, the world of real estate can be fascinating, peculiar, and full of surprises. It's as varied and unpredictable as people are. I think it's less about the real property than the people who own it or are interested in buying it. And it's the realtors who must listen to the needs of the client and help them to navigate the ups and the downs, the twists and the turns that are inevitable. So once you find a realtor that you trust, show them a little love. They care about you. They'll work hard for you. They'll protect you as best they can. 
thank you for joining us at At Home and Abroad with your hosts, Harrison Walker. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review our show. It helps us grow and expand our reach. Subscribe to follow us each week as we continue the conversation. You can also say hi to us on Instagram at at Harrison Walker. We would love to hear from you.